Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. St. Augustine once said, Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. Isn't it easy, though, to see these types of things and be in awe? Yet the truly remarkable thing about each is that their Creator tells us we have infinitely more worth than they do, and He desires to lavish His love on us. And if you're ready to explore and experience that kind of love for yourself, then join us now for our series, Wonder, as we continue the Upward Journey. Good morning, Upward family. Great to see you guys. You're alive this morning. They tried to stop us today. They tried to take an hour away from us. We're still here. Tried to turn the heat down. We're still here. For me, they turned off my power all night last night, and I'm still here. I may not look like much, but I'm still here. I hope I matched this morning. I had to put my clothes on in the dark this morning. My wife couldn't even tell what color she was wearing this morning. It was so dark. That's the benefit to wearing black. You just don't have to worry about things. Trying to convince y'all, but we made it. We're here today. We're alive. We're well. We're having a good time, aren't we? Thanks for filling this place up this morning. For the many that are watching us online and do every Sunday live, we're so glad to have you guys with us as well. We're in a series called Wonder, and in this series, God is inviting us at Upward Christian Fellowship to a place of wonder at who He is. And I'm going to give you that invitation this morning to come to the feet of the Lord and be caught up in the wonder of who He is. Now, you'll pardon me this morning if I start off a little bit heavy, but I've been involved in three funerals this week, and uh, I've had uh, three precious people that I've spoken over their lives this week. One, a wonderful member of our church family who went home to be with Jesus, had his funeral on Tuesday. I had an uncle to pass away in Winston-Salem, and I had his funeral on Wednesday. And a precious lady who was a part of this church years ago, her funeral was yesterday. So I've been around death a good bit this week, and I think we've all been around death a good bit the past couple of years, a lot more than we wanted to be. And I've just got to be really honest with you, death certainly bothers me. I remember a time some years ago, Alexa and I had just gotten married, and it was uh, Christmas time, and we went home to celebrate with my mother's side of the family, and we were all there in a house together, and we were celebrating Christmas Eve. Any of you have Christmas traditions growing up? For us, Christmas Eve, we always went to my grandmother's house and grandfather's house and spent it with them. So we were spending Christmas Eve this year with the family. The only problem was Grandma had passed away, and she wasn't there. And I had a cousin who named Scott who passed away at a very young age. He wasn't there either. So we were all sitting around the dinner table, and I started noticing the empty seats. And I started thinking about, wow, Grandma's not here, Scott's not here. And it, and it occurred to me, and this doesn't always occur to you when you're younger, but it occurred to me that this was going to keep happening as I got older, that more people in the room were going to be missing over the next several years, that there were going to be more empty seats around the table at Christmas time. And just to be honest with you, right there at Christmas Eve, I was getting depressed because I thought, God, I don't know that I want to move forward through life knowing that I'm going to continually 
keep on losing people over and over again. A lot of these people that I love dearly, as I get older, I'm going to be saying goodbye to them. So I got really kind of depressed at Christmas, and I had to walk outside, put my coat on. It was cold. I walked outside, and I was just kind of pacing around the yard talking to God about this when all of a sudden I heard a voice speak in my heart. Now, if you're not a believer, you may not understand this, and this may sound really weird to you. If you are a believer, I hope you've discovered that Jesus often speaks to us from the depths of our heart. We'll hear his voice inside, and it will be very clear to us what the Lord is saying to us in that moment. At that moment of depression, I'm saying, God, this really stinks that my family is going to slowly die, and they're not going to be with me. I don't know that I want to face this. I heard the sweet, gentle voice of Jesus say this in my heart. He said to me, son, that's true. Your family members are going to leave. And as you get older, there are going to be more empty seats around the table. But I tell you this, son, one thing remains constant. I will be with you until the end of time. I will be with you. That's the one constant we have, friends. And what I want to tell you this morning is... You will never go to a place that God is not already there. You will never go to a time that God is not already there. And you will never go through a circumstance that God is not already there. Now what I want you to say out of that is, wow, I serve a big God. Can everybody just give me a wow this morning? Instead of amens, maybe we could just do wow this morning. God is already there. I'm telling you this morning, He has your future in His hands right now. Now, how many of you would like it if I told you we have deposited $2 million into your bank account now and you can live off the interest for the rest of your life. You don't have to go to work in the morning. And just interest on that money will provide your living for the rest of your life. How many of you would say, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amen. I receive it, brother. The guy right here is ready for it. Unfortunately, we didn't do that. But uh, that, whew, think about how that would feel all of a sudden to know your future was taken care of. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is, you've got that. You've got that already. Wow. Because he's already in your tomorrow. He's already in the darkness of your future. He's already overcome whatever thing that you're going to face. Hear this. The thing you're going to face, he has already defeated. Wow. We serve a great and a mighty God. Now, we're learning some deep things about God, and we're getting smarter about God. We're learning some theology, and we're talking about three. Here's a term the theologians use. They call these the incommunicable attributes of God. And what they mean by incommunicable is this. You don't catch them from God. You don't get them from God. These attributes belong to God, will always be God, and you will never get these. Some of the attributes of God are communicable. The love of God is a communicable attribute of God. Meaning, the more I hang out with Jesus, the more loving I become. The wisdom of God is communicable. The more I hang out with Jesus, the more wisdom I get in my life. The mercy of God is a communicable attribute. I become more merciful as I hang out and, and bask in the presence of an all-merciful God. 
But there are attributes of God that are incommunicable, meaning they only belong to God. Theologians use the prefix omni to describe these attributes of God. We've studied last week the omniscience of God. Say omniscience with me. Omniscience. That means that God is all-knowing. That He knows everything. Can you give me a wow? The word omnipotence. Say omnipotence with me. Omnipotence means that God is all-powerful. That He can do anything. The last word is omnipresence. Say that word with me. Omnipresence. This means that God is everywhere at the same time. That He's fully present everywhere at the same time. Omnipresent. Okay, cool it with the wows for just a minute. Wow. (laughs) You see, excuse me a sec, I'm getting a text here. Can y'all wait for a second while I get a text? Wow. Wow, really. Power's going to be back at my house at 2 p.m. today. Yes. Wow. Let me just check my email real quick while I'm up here. Oh, Lord. Somebody sent an email about the first service, something they didn't like. Oh, Lord. Well, maybe I'll get back to preaching now. You see, I have this wonderful ability to be multi-present. I can do that. I can preach to you and check my email. I have this wonderful ability. You know, I'm in Zoom meetings a lot. Any of you like Zoom meetings? Oh, boy, those Zoom meetings, nobody liked them. (laughs) Nobody. The one thing I like about Zoom meetings is you can cut, turn off the video and go get a drink or go to the bathroom or make yourself a sandwich, and everybody thinks you're still there. Turn off the video, I'm back, and then I, I just eat my sandwich and then turn the video back on like I never left. I'm not sure I'm fooling them. Multi-present. We're really good in our world at being multi-present. Multi-present typically, though, means that we're not really present anywhere. If I'm really up here checking my text messages while I'm preaching to you, I'm not present in what God's doing in this moment. I'm, I'm multi-present. I got a little piece of me in one room and another piece in another room. And I'm sitting here trying to have a conversation, but I'm multi-present. I'm back and forth with my kids. I'm back and forth with my wife. I'm back and forth with you because I'm looking at this thing. This thing has made us good at being multi-present. It means a little piece of me is in many places. That's so different from omnipresent. Get ready to say, wow, now. Uh, God is fully present everywhere at the very same time. That means all of him is present everywhere. His full attention is on Upward Christian Fellowship this morning. His full attention is also right down the street at Biltmore Baptist. His full attention is right down the road at the bridge and at Hendersonville Church and First Baptist and many other great churches. God's fully there in all of them. His full attention is on a church in the Ukraine this morning. Believers there. Hurting people there. God is omnipresent. Wow. Wow. He knows everything. He can do everything. And he's everywhere. The psalmist David in Psalm 139 wrote this beautiful psalm of wonder. And here's what he said, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. He said this, verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. 
Not that he was trying to get away from God. He wasn't trying to escape. He's simply saying, wherever I go, your spirit is there. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there also. Up or down, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, what does that mean? That means the dawn. He's saying if I could latch on to the sunrise and ride it. East is over here. He's saying if I could go over here early in the morning and hitch myself to the sunrise and ride it. You know how fast the sun moves and how fast light moves. 186,000 miles a second. David didn't know that figure. But this is what he's saying. If I could attach myself to the sunrise and go to the forest, dwell by the farthest oceans... The ocean in David's world was the Mediterranean Sea, which was to the west. Sun rises where? And goes to the west. David is saying in this verse, if I could get a hold of the sunrise in the east and ride it to the other end of the earth at 186,000 miles a second, God, you would be on both ends and on everything in the middle as fast as I could move, God, you would be fully present in every part of that journey. That's incredible. David's using here a, a rhetorical device called a mirrorism. A mirrorism just basically means you use two polar opposites to illustrate an inclusiveness of everything in between. Have you ever lost something and said, I searched high and low for it? That means I looked over the whole house and tore everything up. David is saying, if I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. If I go east, you're there. If I go west, you're there. God, wherever I go, I cannot get away from you. You are there. Verse 10 says, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He said, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Get ready to say wow again. Darkness and light are the same to you. Wow. God, darkness and light are the same to you. He's saying, God, if I go up, you're there. God, if I go down, you're there. God, if I go east to west, all the way in between, you're there. Not only that, God, if I'm in the light, you're there. God, if I walk through darkness, you're there. He is there. No matter where we are, no matter what we go through. I want to tell you three things that cannot separate you from the presence of God. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready this morning? Say something other than wow. Are you ready this morning? Three things that cannot separate you from God's presence. Number one, death cannot separate you from God's presence. Death cannot separate you from God's presence. He said, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If you die and go to heaven, Jesus will meet you there. Do you know death is nothing to the Christian? As far as fear, the Bible says this, and I have a hard time with it. It says, better is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. We've got it all backwards. Right? Somebody's about to have a baby. We had a precious new baby in the church. Bonnie Scott had a grandchild this week. Everybody's counting down the days. How long? When's the due date? Oh, they're going to the hospital. Yeah, only a few hours left. Baby's coming. Baby comes. We celebrate. Do you know what the Bible says about birth? 
Job said, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly up from a fire. Basically, the Bible's saying you ought to celebrate the death day more than the birthday. Christian can do that. Because a Christian understands that it's precious in the sight of the Lord when his children pass into glory. The Christian understands that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Meaning that when I die, I meet Jesus right then. When I close my eyes in death, you can be sure they are open on the other side and I am looking into the face of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Instantly, I'm in His presence. I have nothing to fear. Folks, we ought to be looking forward to that. I said, folks, we ought to be looking forward to that. We ought to be counting it down like we count down the days till we get to go to Disneyland. You know, people do that. There's videos saying, we're going to Disney World in eight days. And then the kids are like, how many days left? Only seven. How many days left? Four days we're going to Disney World. Two more, my kids used to say, two more sleeps and we're going on vacation. There is a thing on the internet called the death clock. And you type in your birthday and you type in your habits. And it predicts when you're going to die, the day, and it counts down. Let's all get on that. Wait a minute, listen to me. Before you quit, listen to me. Why would I say get on that? We ought to be counting down the days to heaven. Where'd all my wows go? Hang on with me a minute. If we really believe what we say we believe, on the other side of this troublesome life we live in is heaven with Jesus Christ then we'd be counting down the days. I'd say, I'm about to turn 54. That means I'm 54 years closer to meeting Jesus face to face than I was when I'm born. And every birthday is going to be closer to when I see him face to face. You see, you know Jesus now. You've met Jesus now if you are a believer. But Paul said, on this earth, we see through the glass darkly, but then in his presence, we will see him face to face. We will know him as we're known by him. And I'm looking forward to that. If you've ever been around the death of a Christian, the death of a Christian is different from the death of a person that doesn't believe in Christ. People say this to me a lot. They say, you know, I don't fear after death. I'm just not excited about the process of dying. Can I tell you this? God has that too. God has that too. I believe with all of my heart that when a, when a believer in Jesus Christ is about to pass in the other side, Jesus comes. And Jesus escorts them home. I don't know what your theology is and what you believe, but I've seen it over and over again. I believe the word bears me out that I've seen people in the presence of Jesus and in his glory even before their hearts stopped beating. I've seen people who were at death's door and there was a glow about their face and there was a realization about their whole being that they had already entered into something before they took their last breath. Jesus was there. And I assure you, you put your life in Jesus Christ and he'll be there for you when you come down to the end. Because on the other side of death, if I go up to heaven, Lord, you're there. Let me say this sobering thing as well. 
you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. You may not have a relationship with Jesus, but on the other side of the grave, he's going to be there as well. You will have to stand before him and give an account for what you did with God's free gift of salvation that he gave you in Jesus Christ. The Bible said one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's those who served him and those who rebel against him. I want to make sure I make this con that confession on this side of the grave and not on that side. Because Jesus is on the other side wherever you go. Death cannot separate you and I from the presence of God. And I'm so thrilled about that. Are you excited about that today? All right, the second one, Psalm 139.9. And I want you to understand, distance cannot separate you from God's presence. I love this. Distance. He said, if I ride the wings of the morning in the east and go all the way to the west beyond the farthest oceans, God is with me. Now, there's an island I want to talk to you about this morning really quickly. It's a volcanic island in the South Atlantic called Tristan de Cunha. And some of you are going to be ready to go to this place. It is the most remote point on earth inhabited by humans. Anybody like it already? I mean remote. Any of you like to get out in the wilderness where nobody's at anymore? Just out. This is your place. It's only 38 square miles. It's inhabited by only 241 people. You can't get there by plane. You can only get there by boat. And the boat trip takes six days from the nearest inhabited land. Boats only come to this island less than a month. About eight times a year a boat shows up at this island for its 241 residents. Man, I'm ready. Are you ready? I saw somebody leave right then. They're, they're gone right now. They're catching a plane. Tristan Acuna right now. They're there. I'm ready to get a trip up, aren't you? You know, we could take all the Upward Christian Fellowship to that island. We'd multiply the place by six times and ruin it because we'd all be there on that little spot. Did you know God says, David said, God, if I go there, you're already there. Distance can't separate you. Have you ever traveled to a foreign nation? I've, I've traveled to many foreign nations and shared Jesus with people on all kinds of places, in all kinds of situations. And it is so overwhelming when you go into a foreign country where you've never been before, where you don't speak the language at all. You don't even know the sign on the door that said men and women. You don't even know. When you get that foreign, you're in trouble. You don't even know what bathroom means. You've got a problem. I've been in some of those places. You get off the plane and you're in a whole new world. Culture's completely different. They often drive on the other side of the road. Or they don't even drive cars. The way you act is not the way they act. One of our church council members, uh, the country she's normally from, did you know this? In, in her country, this means no. And this means yes. You ought to be in a board meeting with her. <laughs> no. She told me that. She's, she does it like we do. But you walk in a foreign country and everything's different. You don't understand the food. It can be so intimidating to be in a foreign country. But I've been in so many of them. Let me tell you what happens. The airport, it's a mess. To get somewhere, it's a mess. It's, uh, when I say mess, I just mean it's not all mess. To me. It's just strange. I don't know where I'm at. Yeah. 
as soon as I get to the church and service starts, I'm at home. Because they can be worshiping Jesus in a language I have never experienced before. And the same Holy Spirit is flowing into that room and into my heart and into my life. And we are all of a sudden family and brothers and sisters because God is there. It surprises me sometimes because we'll fly hours and hours and land some foreign place and go into a church and God's there. And I didn't see him on the plane. He didn't go through customs. He didn't have to check in. Why? Because he's always there and he's always been there and he's fully there. He's there ahead of me. And to see someone come to Jesus in a foreign nation is so powerful. Because you don't understand the language, you don't have a clue, but you know exactly what's going on when you see them come to Christ because the same Holy Spirit is working in their lives in the same way. Do you know God's even in space? He's in outer space. I'm a big space history nut, especially man's journey to the moon. I find it incredibly fascinating how how this country, we made this journey to the moon. President Kennedy got up in the 60s, and uh, we were so behind in the space race. We were in a race with the Russians to the moon, and the Russians were way, way ahead of us. Maybe you didn't know this, but they were so far ahead of They put a man in orbit before we really got a man into space at all. Their rockets were ahead of ours. Their, their science was far ahead of ours. They, the Russians had the first spacewalk, first person to get out of the spacecraft in space. They were first there. The first woman in space was from Russia. They were way ahead of us, but they made a critical error that I think cost them making it to the moon first. The Russian cosmonaut, now you may not believe this, but I, I don't care. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was rather blunt, wasn't it? The Russians made a big mistake. Cosmonauts came back to Earth from the, moon, from the space and they said, we went into space and we didn't see God out there anywhere. And their program started plummeting. Now, I'm going to brag on the United States and if you don't like that, I also don't care. Um, I love you, but I'm not letting your offense take away what I believe in. Amen. Uh, let's move on before we all get mad. Um, you know, when we first orbited the moon, I, I, it's easy for me to remember the days. My first Christmas, 1968, we orbited the moon. Three astronauts went into orbit around the moon. First time that man ever left the Earth's gravity was three Americans. And when we ran out, went around the moon on Christmas Eve, they pulled out a Bible and read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. We acknowledge God around the moon. Guess where our space program went? Up. And we landed on the moon. Did you know while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were landing on the moon, there was a Russian spacecraft called Luna that was also at the moon. And it was intended to pick up moon rocks and get them back to earth before we got back. But the Luna spacecraft crashed into the moon and is still there today. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. First thing that happened on the moon 
This was not broadcast. It was not on the radios. They shut off communications to do it. But before they left Earth, Buzz Aldrin went to his priest and said, I want to take a packet of communion to the moon with me. Can we take communion on the moon? He blessed him, and he gave them a packet of wafers and juice to take to the moon. And the first thing that happened when they shut those engines off and shut it down, they turned off communications and they took the Lord's Supper together, acknowledging the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, acknowledging Jesus as Savior and Lord. Why? Because God's out there too. And we acknowledged it as a nation outside the boundaries of earth. Distance cannot separate you from God. You can go to the other side of the globe and see God answer in prayer. How many stories have I heard of missionaries who were in dangerous situations around the world. And they began to pray. And God woke somebody up out of their bed in the United States and said, pray for them right now. And they began to pray. And God delivered somebody on the other side of the globe as somebody was praying on the opposite side of the globe. God is everywhere. We have a wonderful missionary with us today that I want to give honor to. A precious lady that we're honored to have with us, Sister Gailey List, is sitting right over here. She just retired this month from 60 years of service in Africa. Can we honor her? Would you stand, Sister List? We honor you. Can we do better than her? If I had a hat, it'd be off to you, sister. We're honored by your presence here today. Her and her husband, Philip, served for years serving Jesus on the other side of the globe. They can tell you better stories than I can about God touching across distance. Some people say, this was the thing when I was a kid I was afraid of. They'd say, come to the altar and surrender your life to Jesus. I'm like, I'm not going up there. God will make me go to Africa. It's kind of what it was. If you really love Jesus, you'll go to Africa. <laughs> nope, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not surrendering my life. You know what? She told me this this morning. When God first called her, she wasn't that happy about it either. But now she says, thank God for the privilege of 60 years. Say, God may call me to an unsafe place. God could call some of you to go to Afghanistan or Ukraine or somewhere where it's difficult to live for Jesus, more difficult than here. I mean, understand this. You are safer in the will of God in a dangerous place than you are in your bedroom out of God's will. You're safer going than you are staying. Because the same God that's here is there. Hear me. You'll never go to a place that he's not with you. Distance cannot separate you from the presence of God. Last one. Darkness cannot separate you from God's presence. The psalmist said, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Did you hear that for a minute? To God, the darkness is just as bright as the day because he's there. Now, I had a dark night last night. Literally a dark night. A tree fell in our backyard about 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. A big old tree fell across the road. It sounded like three bombs went off. 
I had no idea. We were like, what is happening? What is happening? Alexa thought, it's a nuclear attack. Everybody get down under the couch. We didn't know what was happening. Looked down, a huge tree took out a power line right behind our house. It was sort of a clue that when the tree fell and all the lights went out that we figured out what happened. I got a text from the power company and they're working hard on it. They said it should be on by 7.30 tonight. Then I just got that text. That, that was real. It's going to be on by 2 o'clock now. <laughs> well, we got dark last night. Walk around the house, flashlights. Darkness. You ever been in serious darkness? I mean physically. You ever been down in a cavern? You know what they do to you in a cavern. They get you down there and they got the lights on down there and all these beautiful sights. Then they say, okay, grab, grab somebody by the hand because we're going to turn the lights off. So they shut the lights off and it's pitch dark. And you literally wave your hand in front of you. You can't see anything. One of our precious ladies here at the church, I'm going to tell her story because she's not here in second service, so I can tell it. She was sitting here first. I couldn't tell this. Her and her husband were in the cavern together. And they said, okay, get close to your loved ones. We're going to shut the light off. And they shut the light on a little too quick for her. And she sat down in her husband's lap and held on to him through the darkness. One problem, they turned the lights on and that wasn't her husband. <laughs> Imagine that. And the guy didn't say anything, right? He's just a guy. He didn't say anything. <laughs> You've been in some darkness, man. It gets dark. You ever been in darkness in your life when you couldn't see what's next? You ever been in a dark trial and you just didn't know what was around the corner? He knows. Because it's not dark to him. Do you know what it says about heaven? We will need no sun, moon, or stars in heaven because the Lamb is the light. That means Jesus himself will illuminate heaven. Whatever you're facing, whatever darkness is attempting to cover your life, invite God to be Lord over it. He's already there. And he sees the next step. Somebody said this this week, another preacher, and I'm just stealing this. He said it's not about what Jesus does at the end of the storm. It's about who Jesus is in the middle of the storm. Well, I've had to learn that lesson. It's not just about God getting me out of this. It's him helping me discover who he is in the middle of it that's more important to him. And here's the blessing of it. When you're walking through darkness, David said this in verse 10. He said, even there, your hand will guide me. It's as if God's hand is on our head. Now, this is one thing I wish God would change. I wish when he illuminated a situation where he could see the solution, he'd always let me see it too. If you think I'm saying up here that God's going to illuminate your storm and explain every aspect of it and show you exactly how he's going to walk you through it, wrong, fail, no. He knows what's there. His hand is on your head. And he's simply going to guide you through it. He's going to guide you through the turns. Turn here. Turn there. Trust me here. Trust me there. Surrender to me. Then it says this, and I am closing. I promise. You will always have the guidance of his hand. 
And you'll always have, the psalmist said, the support of his strength. You'll have his strength when yours fails. Amen? Can we say wow to a God who's already there, who's already holding us up, who gives us the strength when we can't carry on? Anybody, I'm closing, but anybody ever run a race? Anybody ever run a mud race? An obstacle mud race? I've run those before. I know I don't look like a mud racer, but I'm a, I'm a, I don't know what you'd call me. I like to run through the mud or trod through the mud or whine and complain through the mud. It's more my speed. I was in one in Hendersonville a couple years ago running a mud race, and it's exactly what it, they, they create, big old mud holes. you got to run through creeks over big, huge bales of hay, through ropes tied to trees, sliding up and down stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. Then they had, near the end of this one, they had a dumpster filled with ice water. And they had, they had these judges standing there, and they look like judges. They're standing there looking like this on either side of it because they know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run around that thing. They're like, nope, 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 you're running through that. I'm like, there? Are you kidding that's a dumpster. And it's full of ice water. I'm 50 years old. I'm at the end of a race. I'm tired. I'm not getting in that. I say, yep, if you want to finish this race, you go through this. Oh, boy. Doesn't life feel that way sometimes? I'd really like to run around this. Let me just tell you what happens when you get in a dumpster full of ice after running three miles through obstacles. When you come out of that dumpster, you're not aware of anything below your chest. It's as if this is all you are and everything south is gone. You ask me to actually run after this? We got through it and we kept moving. Then we came to the last part of the race at the end and they said, here's the end. We had a partner in the race. They said, one of you partners has to carry the other one across the finish line and uh, I volunteered to be carried <laughs> I know y'all want this to end with me being the manly guy who picked two guys up on his shoulder and carried them across but I am certainly not the hero of this story I had a buddy he looked at me he said yeah I guess I'm carrying you and he reached over and put me across his shoulders and it was muddy then he carried me across the finish line. I want you to hear me on this. You will be carried across the finish line. You don't have a choice. You're going to hit obstacles and darkness and trials that sap your strength. I just wonder if God's saying to somebody today, why don't you just volunteer for me to carry you? with my omnipresence that I'm everywhere in fullness at the same time I wonder who here today would just say Jesus just carry me would you bow your heads with me we're going to pray together Jesus thank you for your word in Psalm 139 thank you for the reality of your, your word that's written to us and just birthed in our hearts in a real way by the Holy Spirit pray that people would say yes to you. I just wonder, nobody's going to embarrass anybody. You're watching online, you're here in this place. I just wonder how many people here today would lift a hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We'd just lift a hand to say, today I'm volunteering for Jesus to carry my life. 
I'm not going to make it across this finish line in my own strength. Jesus, I say yes to you as my Savior and Lord and ask you to carry my life. Can I see your hands right now? Can I see them? Raise them up high. God bless you. God bless you. I see several hands here today. God bless you. Why don't we do that again and do it right? People are saying yes to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let's do it with all our hearts. Oh, that's the way. That's the way right there. See, here's the other invitation that's out there. God's calling us from the greatest temptation to the Christian right now. And I want you to hear this right now. The greatest temptation to the Christian right now is not just addiction or lust or something like that. The greatest temptation to the Christian right now is to be caught up in worry. Worry about your future. Worry about politics. Worry about national things going on. The greatest temptation to the Christian is to be caught up in worry. The greatest invitation to y'all this morning is to be caught up in wonder. And those two cannot coexist. Worry and wonder can't live in the same room. How many would say here, Pastor, God's calling me away from worry, and he's calling me into a lifestyle of wonder at who he is. Can I see your hands this morning? He's calling you out. Saying, nope, you're not going to live. Amen. I want Keep them up for just a minute. I want to just declare that over you. You are coming out of a lifestyle of worry. You are coming out of the land of worry. And it will not dominate your thoughts, your life anymore. God says this to you. He's calling you out. You're being obedient to him. And you're going to walk into a promised land of sorts. A promised land of wondering at the presence of God. And you're going to see how great he is and how powerful he is. And it's going to squash your worries forever. Amen. 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 Now I want to pray with those saying yes to Jesus, both here and online. Bow with me. The church is going to help us pray. We invite you to pray this prayer of invitation. Lord Jesus, you're calling me out from my past, from my sin, from my brokenness into a new life with you. I turn my back on what's past and I focus right on you on what's in front of me. I surrender my life to you. Carry me, Jesus. My strength isn't enough. From this day forward, I walk in your strength, not my own. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We always end the service with a blessing and a commission. We believe in the power of a spoken blessing. Believe that as we speak blessing from God's word over you, you receive it. Would you just lift your hands if you wish to receive a blessing? Jesus, in his great commission, said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He also said this with that commission. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of time. He is with you this morning. That is your blessing. I bless you with the knowledge of the presence of Jesus in your life, wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever circumstance you find yourselves in, He is with you, not only to take care of you, but to manifest Himself to those around you. With that blessing, I command you as Jesus does and commission you, go into this world and take Jesus to every creature in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you so much. Thank you for being here. See y'all again next week. Go home, sleep an extra hour. Catch up. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at UCF.com.
upwardchristianfellowship.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash upwardchristianfellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue The Upward Journey.